Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 9. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about building family culture. My guest today is Pastor Joe Malley. He'll be talking about a couple of different myths regarding building family culture and giving us some really important pointers and ways in which we can be intentional to build our family culture as a way to prepare our children uh, for being launched out of the home. I really hope you enjoy the discussion. Here is Pastor Joe Malley. All right, so today on the Connected Family Podcast, we have Pastor Joe Malley here. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, happy to be here, Mark. It's awesome. uh, or do I call you Doctor Mark, PhD? I mean, you called me Pastor Malley. I don't know. Yeah, I only know. make a few people call me Doctor Mark okay. or Doctor Vanderlei. So Mark is is perfectly okay. Okay, that's good. Good. I, I mean, Doctor Mark though, it kind of has that, that nice ring, right? Yeah. 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 Um. So Joe and I, we we've known each other for three or so years, as you are the children's pastor at the church that I attend. Um. Want you as we start out, tell us. A little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Share. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, yeah, as Mark said, my name is Joe Malley. I have been um, working in churches for about seven years now uh, in family ministry. And so, um, you know, I'm really passionate about pouring into and investing in the next generation. And so um, caring for and um, just investing in kind of kids uh, in the church world. And, you know, they say I oversee birth through fifth grade, which <laughs> is kind of a funny phrase, but but just caring for those kids, investing in them and, and coming alongside of their families, however I can support them um, just in the day to day. So I've been doing that for about seven years, was in Chicago and then came down to Quincy and um, have enjoyed my time here. So awesome. it's great. Cool. Yeah. So I didn't pre-ask you this question, but I'm going to throw a loop in here. Because as I was thinking about it, I wondered about this because I don't know that we've talked about this. How did you come to become a children's pastor? Like what led you in that direction? Yeah, you know, I think um, when I think about children's ministry, um, it uh, is really just a passion for education within the church setting. Uh, and so um, oftentimes, you know, I talk to teachers and different things. I feel like we have a similar calling. Um, mine is just a little more faith oriented in that I want to see kids know and grow in their faith um, where they're looking to see them know and grow in math or, yeah. or science or whatever that is. And, um, you know, I talk to someone in the school systems, talk to them in the church systems. There's just not a lot of men that are investing in kids. Um, and so, you know, at a young age, I kind of saw that lack of men. I was serving as a volunteer at a church um, and I was one of like four guys, you know, mm -hmm. investing in a few hundred children wow. uh, as volunteers. And uh, that was something that at the time I just really felt, you know, a passion stirred to to be that guy and to be yeah. that guy investing in those kids. And God's opened up, you know, door after door and just kind of followed that and, and cool. had some really unique opportunities to invest. Yeah. So. so that could be a whole nother podcast episode about the need for men to invest in the lives of kids, whether it's in the school environment, in their families or in the church. So we'll save that. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get started on that. Yeah. I mean, you're in, I think, a similar boat. So yeah, that, I mean, that could be a whole series. So, certainly yeah. a passion that I have as well is the need for men to be involved in the lives of kids and the powerful influence they can have. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, sort of the idea of how do we as a, as parents, as a family, maybe even probably involvement of 
church leaders help to build the culture of family or family cultures. So um, that's a topic that you've educated people on in the past. And so we're going to cover that a little bit today. I'm excited to hear what you have to say um, and learn from that. So how do we build a culture in our family? How do we build that? Tell us a little bit. Yeah, you know, Mark, when I um, when I talk to people about this, and I start to, you know, often with breaking down kind of the myths behind it, um, because when it comes to creating culture in your family, most people think, you know, we should have had a three-year plan before we had our first kid, and now it's too late, and we're yeah. behind the curve. When in reality, you know, it's never too late to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have the opportunity to be an influence maker at the beginning, and that so that's you know. The first myth I always tend to share with people is that it's never too late to start. And no matter who you are in your family, whether you're, you know, a brother, sister, mother, father, however that looks like, you have the opportunity to influence your family one way or another. Mm -hmm. So it's not too late to start to begin to make a culture and invest and to engage with them in that way. What a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, so um, that's that tends to be you know the first myth that I yeah. share with people is it's not too late. You should start now. Okay. You didn't need to plan it ahead of time. So um, I have a story about that if I can. Yeah, go for it. There. So uh, we were living in Branson, Missouri, and attending a, a church there, and there was a family that had three teenage boys, and we had three young boys, and the teenage boys were you know graduating high school, going off to college, maybe even getting married. And I looked at, I often would look at that family and I'd go, wow, if my boys could turn out like that, that would be really, really great. I'd be very excited about that. And then I was convicted and I, cause I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, if I, if I hope that my kids turn out that way, I can't, I have to start like yesterday to create or to help, you know, form what that looks like. Um, and so I guess I felt a little bit of that myth that you're talking about, about like, oh, I should have started a long time ago and now I'm behind the eight ball and um, I'm doing it too late. But you're saying there's hope. We can start right now. Right. And it's OK. Yeah. You know, I think I talk to parents all the time. They're like, well, we didn't do that with our first child, so it's mm-hmm. too late. And now, you know, we miss we missed the ball. You know, yeah. we missed uh, the opportunity for that. And I'm like, no, actually, you can. It's. <laughs> Don't wait and, yeah. you know, it's talk to your child, admit to them, you know, it's okay to tell your kid, hey, no, we did this wrong. Yeah. We're going to change it and we're going to begin to shift how we are as a family. Cool. So, yeah. so there are other myths as there, well? There are two more that I like to hit and okay. talk to people about, three total. Um, first is that it's not too late to start. The second is, um, you know, that I can wait. So uh, although I'm saying it's not too late to start, it's also you shouldn't wait. Um, and, you know, there's a famous quote that goes around by George Barna that says, you know, uh, in a race to a child's heart, the first one there wins. And, and that's just so powerful to me mm-hmm. is to hear that and to think about that as we invest in kids um, because they love what they're introduced to first. You know, it's uh, funny the time after time, just the interactions I have with kids uh, and how they can quickly love. You know, there's the example of uh, the attachment to a, a pencil. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just name the pencil and you introduce them and they'll love that pencil over every single pencil you give them Uh, but then you snap that pencil too and their connections broke with it and Hmm. and they're no longer connected to that Um, and but they prefer that pencil always over other things Hmm. and so I think that's just a great thing to remember as you think about caring and investing in kids 
you know, in the race there, it's, it's the first thing there that wins mm. oftentimes with kids um, because they don't necessarily have that abstract reasoning that mm -hmm. we have as adults. They're concrete thinkers. The first thing there they're going to love and they're going to attach on to. Um, and so as parents, as families, we need to recognize that and be making sure that we're filling them up with the right things mm -hmm. and not, you know, those number one pencils that nobody can use for tests anyways. You mm -hmm. got to have the number two. Yeah. So, so I, you know, that really speaks to the need for intentionality in some ways in regards to what do I want to be that first thing? Do I want it to be, you know, my influence? And so hopefully I'm engaging with my kid and hopefully I'm thinking about what I'm going to intentionally put there as opposed to maybe some other influence from our culture or from some other place. Yeah, you know, I think um, one of my taglines for just philosophy of, you know, how I go about working with kids is mm -hmm. that you want to introduce intentionality at, at all stages and in all ways. You know, uh, it's easy to find time fillers as educators and to do things. Mm -hmm. But if you can just spend that extra 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever that is needed in prep um, and, and just introduce some intentionality, drive it back into something they're learning, drive it into a you know the point into a principle that can help build into them as leaders um i i, th I just think that's great so, yeah all yeah. right yeah. how about myth number three so myth three um is is the one that we all say um and that's i'm too busy right <laughs> you know uh it, if if it's not too late if you should start now well you're also now too busy mm -hmm. and, and i think um you know it, it's one that i think as families we have the we need to just make a larger priority of that and realize who we're investing in who we're raising up and and understand the need for that connection to them and that connection we have as we invest in them um, mm -hmm. you know there's a poll done by Gallup about five six years ago now that shares um, that the average family at the time was spending 34 minutes a day together as a family yeah but then 60 percent of those parents also admitted that that was a like a sedentary activity they were just sitting around maybe watching tv mm -hmm. you know maybe it was a quick din dinner you know but 34 minutes spent together as a family yeah. um, when you think about families and how much influence you know in you even just think about your own family and how much of who you are now is shaped by them to think that that comes even from just 34 minutes imagine what you could do from with an hour hmm. imagine what you could do with an hour and a half yeah. of time that was intentional and not just watching television or being engaged in an activity that yeah. you're not even necessarily interacting with each other yeah so you're saying there's really a pretty small portion of our day maybe 34 minutes where we are as a family together but there's an incredible influence that even just that 34 minutes has. And if we were intentional, one, in filling that time, but two, in maybe expanding that time to an hour or an hour and a half of intentional interaction with our kids or family members, our spouse, maybe, how much more influence we could have. Yeah. That the idea? Yeah, that's I, I think that's exactly the idea to introduce some intentionality, even if 34 minutes is all you can really right. do. Yeah. I think introducing that and planning that time and not just having it be whatever has happens to be on TV that night or yeah. whatever that is can be great. You know, there's um, in the Bible, when I talk to my parents about this at church, mm -hmm. there's a passage in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, and it comes from Jewish tradition and it's called the Great Shema is what they refer to it as. But um, it, in, the, in that passage, it talks about, you know, just the importance of uh, engaging with your kids about their faith mm -hmm. when when you're walking places, when you're waking up, when you're lying down. Um, and 
if you think about your time today, if you're a parent or if you have kids in your house, uh, those are the most stressful times, right? It's when you're waking up trying to get out the door. <laughs> yep. If it's when you're on the road, because we don't really walk places anymore, mm-hmm. you know, or it's when you're lying down and you're trying to rush to get them asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are even a little more bonus times, and you know, maybe outside of that 34 mm-hmm. minutes, that you can invest in into them and introduce some intentionality into mm-hmm. that time um, to just build that connection. So you begin to create a culture that. P- you know, points them to the direction you value as a family. Yeah. Um, and that's not even, I mean, that's just recognizing, hey, 34 minutes is all we got, but yeah. we have five minutes on this drive every day. Or, right. you know, at breakfast, we're always, you know, doing this and I'm counting down the clock. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, instead I could talk about this instead. Yeah. So. so for me, as I'm reflecting on that and being challenged by it, um, I think about the bedtime routine and how tough it is as a parent sometimes to be engaged in that because it's the end of the day I'm exhausted I want them I want them to go to sleep and um, sometimes my exhaustion makes it me want it to just be a real quick exchange but I think what I'm being challenged by is the idea that if I can if I can put aside my needs for rest and my needs um, and my ti- my tiredness and engage intentionally in those five minutes where I'm really connecting with my kid and intentionally maybe it's reading the Bible, maybe it's sharing a Bible story, that can have a huge influence. I'm challenged by that. That's awesome. That's Good. cool. Yeah, you know, I think um, as I talk to families about bedtimes, it's it's often, you know, I think every parent I've talked to, it's, it's the same concept as you. It's a race, right? Yeah. For you, it's how quickly to the finish line can I get? Yeah. Um, inst- instead, it, you know, kind of creates in a lot of households just this rushed culture mm-hmm. that you end up ending the day on a sour note yeah. and you end up you know that connection ends poorly with those yeah. kids and as they go to sleep they're they're thinking more about how they're frustrated about yeah. you in that moment and i mean sometimes a bedtime's a bedtime mm-hmm. right but um how much would you know our home culture begin to shift if we viewed the end of the day as a time of rest um, with the kids and, and instead of a finish line that mm-hmm. we're racing towards just to fulfill our yeah. obligation for the day. If we could relax, like, like, and when I say relax, not mean like flop on the couch, but like relax my anxiety, my desire to get to the finish line and sort of just rest with them, as you say, and that might be laying in bed with them and reading a book or talking over the rest, talking over the events of the day for five minutes or any of those things that could be powerful cool good so those are those are the three myths right Mm -hmm. you know i i think um it's not too late it's not you know something that you have to wait to start now and you're not too busy right Mm -hmm. so if if you can get your mind around those three things as you think about culture as you think about that time that we spend together um you know then it's time to begin to shift okay now what actually are we pointing kids in our families towards Mm -hmm. and and one of the phrases i like to say is that creating culture is not a task that happens in a day but it happens by being intentional setting values and creating informality Um, and so as you think through what it looks like to have a culture those are it's just a phrase that i like to encourage people to think through it's not something that happens in a day it requires you to be intentional. It requires you to set values that you're working towards. Hmm. You know, you've heard the phrase, you know, that if you're working, um, the person who's working towards something and putting all that time and effort in, but doesn't actually know what the goal is, all that time is just wasted. Hmm. 
Um, so you have to have values that you're actually working towards as you're creating that culture. And then, you know, creating informality is probably not the best grammar, right? <laughs> but, but my idea behind that is that, you know, as you're creating a culture, culture is an unexpressed thing often. When you mm -hmm. live in a culture, when you think of the community you're in, the culture that you're in is often unexpressed. Yeah. And so you can know as a family, your culture's really shifted when you start to see those values come out in unexpressed ways and in unintentional times. And you start to see that just become part of the conversation. Um, and so that's one way that you can just kind of see, hey, okay, you know, we've had success here because mm -hmm. culture is a hard thing to measure, right? It's, uh, it can be very discouraging if you make it very behavioral based right. um, because it's not going to happen overnight and those behaviors aren't going to change overnight. Mm -hmm. But you can begin to shift those culture and those behaviors long term so that you see the thought processes change. You see right. the kid pause before, you know, taking more cookies from the jar or whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, you yeah. know. So, okay. So it's the long haul is what I hear you saying is that it happens over the course of probably years and decades as opposed to months and days, right? Yeah. Um, and that it, you really see that culture in sort of small ways, not not necessarily really big ways. Um, am I hearing you there? Yeah. You know, I, I think um, culture is not something that just changes. You can't just mm -hmm. move to a community uh, and, and change everything overnight. There's phrases for that type of culture change <laughs> that you don't want to do with your family. Uh, so, it, so it is very much the, the long haul and investing in, you know, into that and just yeah. beginning to live out those principles yourselves. You know, going back to the bedtime example, mm -hmm. um, if you can find that piece, if you can join them in that as they begin to rest, maybe it's even just modeling like, hey, I'm going to, you know, move my toothbrush to your bathroom and we're all brushing our teeth together, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It could be a simple thing like that, that in your family, you begin to show this is something we value and we're shifting towards. Mm. So a lot to do with values. I've often, or um, I have read that there's a big name psychologist guy, one of the theorists like Piaget or something. I don't think it was Piaget, but one of those guys um, who remarked or talked about how kids, their misbehavior generally um, happens in areas of the highest value of their parents. So whatever the thing is, that the parent really, really holds in high esteem, whatever the value is, whether that's behavior, it might be behavior, like appropriate behavior, it might be faith, so certain belief practices, it might be um, education or sports, you know, wh whatever it is that the parent holds in the highest value, that's generally where the child's misbehavior comes out. Um, and I guess it kind of connected for me about this idea of value. Um, I'm throwing a loop here in at you. Any thoughts about that at all? Yeah, Mark, I think, you know, one of the cool things about having a high standard for something is that it points out flaws, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you think about your kids, I think that's exactly right. Like if you have a high standard or a high value that you're you're holding up, yeah. that's definitely where you're going to see them come out the most against yeah. that. And, um, you know, in my job and in, in my career, I get to invest in volunteers a lot who then invest in the kids because – you know, on a, any given weekend right now in my current environment, there's 100 kids coming mm -hmm. through and I can't engage with each one of them. So I'm investing in those volunteers and encouraging them to invest in those kids yeah. um, because that's how I can reach them and, and invest in them. 
But one principle, as you think about that, and you have values and directions you're pointing them towards, is what's celebrated gets repeated. Mm. And so as you have these values, it's important to remember that it's not all just about discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Discipline, it's very much, uh, you know, there's that structure of correction, 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 repeat, you know, instead of conversation and interaction and explanation um, that, you know, depending upon the age of your kids, they, they may or may not engage with different ones of those things, yeah. but there's also something unique that's found in celebration. Um, and it's celebrating, you know, it's, it's a classic classroom principle. You don't address the kid that's making noise. You compliment Annie in the corner who's yeah. doing a great job of listening. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, I think, a great thing when it comes to families, too, mm-hmm. is if you can celebrate the ways that your culture is succeeding, then it's more likely to get repeated. Yeah. So this is totally a behavioral example. But something funny, I think is funny, that we've done in our family in the past is we wanted our kids to listen be good at listening to us, following our instructions, and basically doing what we said. <laughs> so one of the things that in regards to celebrating success that we would do sometimes is we would say, hey, uh, time to go upstairs and clean your room. And always there tended to be, they would, they would get up pretty quickly or they would make this small, tiny step towards the thing that we wanted to do, an approximation to the goal of getting upstairs. And so once we saw them do that small thing, we would go, oh my goodness, wonderful first-time listeners. And we'd get all excited about this phrase, first-time listeners, right? And so then once we would say that, the behavior only increased, right? So they would, we'd say, oh, wonderful. Thank you for being a first-time listener. And they're like zooming up the stairs to go, you know, do whatever it is that we asked them to do. So whether or not that's the right way to do it as a parent, I'm not sure. But it's an example of how we attempted to apply that principle. Um and we'll see if <laughs> how it worked out. But just a, a story that I, I think is uh, illustrative of that principle. So what else you got for me? Are we moving on to the next point, maybe? Or you uh, got more? You know, I think um, just to summarize there for a second, too, I think, uh, you know, what you shared is great. Because as we, you know, struggle with culture making, as we're shifting and moving towards things, we have these myths that we're quick to believe. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have that phrase, which, you know, I think is, is so important to remember as influencers of our family is that, you know, creating culture is not a task that happens in a day, but it happens by being intentional, setting those values and creating informality. Mm-hmm. But getting we can get so caught up in those that we just things get out of control and in a way that we don't realize or see. And um, mm-hmm. there's another principle that we talk about in church, and it comes from Psalms um, 127, which is a book of the Bible um, that is just, uh, it's a time for praise and reflection. Mm-hmm. But it talks about the privilege it is to raise kids and invest in them. Uh, and in that, it talks about them being like arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the intentions you have is you want families to have that connection and you want to have them. But as we're raising them, we're sending them out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bible uses the example of like an arrow because you loose it and it flies and mm-hmm. wind affects it. And who knows where it's going to land or how it's going to land. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're sending it out. But even as you send it out, you can still have that quality connection with the with those kids and Mm -hmm. as you're sending them out so you're not paving the direct route but as you create that culture ultimately your goal as parents is not to have them stay in the home hopefully but it's to send them out and see them live that culture out Mm -hmm. in the world 
And so um, I think one trap that we can fall into as we think through that Mm -hmm. is that we don't engage and talk about the culture that we're setting at home in relation to the world and how it is. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when we send the kids out, we see just the reality of the world. They see that for the first time when they move to college, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's why the freshman college dropout rate is so high because there's just this... um, levels coming up of there's just this stark comparison between what I was raised, you know, home rules, home values, as so many people talk about, and then what the reality of the world is. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you can, as soon as, you know, you feel appropriate within your home, start to begin to talk about how what you value and that culture you're creating um, and how that relates to the culture you're in. Um, because chances are it might differ a little bit yeah. than than the reality they're going to be as you send them out. Yeah. So as we're sort of developing our children into the arrows that are going to be sent out into culture and hopefully in some ways transform the culture that they're sent into, we have to be able to talk about like the culture that we are creating in our family and the culture that is surrounding us and the differences, the similarities, um, so that they're prepared when they get out there to and they're not so shocked by how the by the differences that um, they see yeah you know i think um if you think through it from an education standpoint it's one thing to teach something it's another thing to see it applied Mm -hmm. and to see that tactical or not tactical but (laughs) you see that tactical ah, i can't say (laughs) it right now uh but you see that practical application of um just that tactile learning there's the word i wanted uh that you see them begin to implement it for themselves you see that reasoning take over and you see that play out but oftentimes we wait too long Uh and then the culture that the world has has already shaped their thoughts and they've never thought about engaging the two Mm. um and we i mean i'm that way when i go home for thanksgiving a little bit Mm -hmm. you know like I'm very different with my parents than I am out in the world. And mm. that's not a bad thing uh, necessarily, yeah. but that's because I learned my culture with them. And then I've learned my culture in the world yeah. and I haven't necessarily learned about who I am, you know, in merging both. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I think that that's something many of you, you know, listening would agree mm-hmm. like who you are with your family is completely different than who you are when you engage with the world. Yeah. And um, as we raise and influence our families, if we can merge those two people, I think, you know, what we're working towards as a family mm-hmm. will oftentimes be the culture we'd love to see our culture shape into. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's really, you know, we have that opportunity to not only influence your direct home, but you have to view them as people you're sending out mm-hmm. and, and to influence those around them and begin to apply those principles. Cause yeah. Who knows who they'll become? Yeah. And so the way that we shape our family, our culture and our family, sending out our kids to transform culture may be the most the most powerful way that we have to influence the culture, the broader culture, right? Because we're like influencing these young kids. We're sending them out into culture, you know, with the hopes and prayers that they'll influence culture. And wow, what an influence then multiplicate, multiplied do we have? to influence those around us. As you were talking, I was thinking about how how, temp- how tempting it is and how hard I have worked as a parent sometimes to protect my kids or seemingly protect my kids from what I think from culture, from influences of, you know, those around me that I think are not, that I don't want to influence my kids. But yet I almost get a sense of what you're saying is probably there's a balance there of like, yes, we want to protect our kids, but also we need to help them to be able to integrate 
their the values of our family, the culture of our family, with the the influences out in the world, and and uh, be able to navigate that. And probably talking about that as a family is maybe the best way to do that. Hey, we do this. I know you know we see that out there. Um, let's talk about that and discuss what we think about that and how it influences us. I suppose. Yeah, you know when I. Um work with a family to help identify some values mm-hmm. that they want to have a part of their family culture. You know, the, uh, Oh, is it the Marine example? I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> uh, but, but the whole kiss acronym of keep it simple, stupid, okay. right. Yeah. You know, um, it, it just applying that to those values as well, because, um, what our conversation today is so broad. We're not talking about your family with, you know, toddlers or your ta- family right. with teenagers. We're talking about your family as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, these conversations shift all along those age ranges and the developmental shifts. Mm-hmm. But it, the principle should hopefully be something simple enough that it can be explained to a toddler. Yeah. And so as you think about those values, obviously they expand and things like be kind have such a massive you know, uh, way that it can be expanded upon over the years. Mm-hmm. But for that little toddler, you know, be kind can be a very concrete example of a value that they can invest in growing. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. All right. What else? Are there, is there another point there? Is that what you got for me? I think that's what I got for you today. I don't know. Any questions for me? Well, I'm just, you know, if you were to think about, um, you know, the people listening here, assuming that it's parents or families that are hoping to build connection with their kids and influence, you know, um, their family in that, in a way that they want to build culture, um, of their family, what would be two or three takeaways um, real important points that you would want them to remember from this. Yeah, you know, I think um, <laughs> there's the phrase, I think I've said it a few times now, of creating a culture is not a task that happens in a day, but it happens by being intentional, setting values, and creating informality. And, and I think, you know, as uh, parents, as people influencing your family, um, that's something I hope you remember is those three steps to that. And then I encourage you to find groups around you, just yeah. like you need uh, you know, people to help out with a diet or to keep you accountable for one thing or another, find people who are moving towards those same values and then spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Encourage each other, be in that walk together. Uh, believe it or not, you know, you're not doing this alone, even though those temptations, those myths I shared, you're quick to believe and then think you're on your own. It's too right. late. You've missed the boat, all those different things when that's not the case. So um, as I think about things, I'd hope you understand is that you're not alone in this mm-hmm. that you can begin to introduce that intentionality today as you create a f- family culture that's moving towards the values you want to see in your home cool awesome so i really really appreciate you uh being here today and sharing you know all this information with us and helping us to form um a family culture that we hoping to form so are there uh sometimes on podcasts people then say Oh, so how could people find you? You know, if there's like Twitter or what's it called? Instagram. Are there any places that you would want people to find you online? Yeah, you know, uh, I am on social media, so you could certainly look me up if you wanted, I guess. Um, You know, one of the things that I've started doing with a um, friend um, in Canada who's an illustrator is uh, him and I have something that's still very much in development, but we're working on creating 
Um, it's called Kidtivity. And Ooh. it's the whole, we based around that idea of introducing intentionality um, into more things. And so the only thing we have out there that you can see currently, although there's a lot of things in the works, is a Christmas activity book for organizations and cool. just uh, opportunities there. But, you know, we're working on developing a lot of different ideas um, to just uh, let you have tools to set culture at home at, as a family and just have ways to begin to introduce intentionality um, as you spend your own time. So uh, that's more of a tease than a next step, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I don't have a concrete one yet. Okay. So look for that soon. You can check out the Facebook page for that. It's kid-tivity. Um, and uh, just a little play on words there. Um, yeah. Is so there a website? There is a website. Um, it's only got that Christmas book on it right now. Okay. So it's being overhauled. Okay. So you can find it. But unless you need a Christmas activity book, uh, I probably don't okay. spend a lot of time there. So the Facebook page maybe is the place to go. Yeah. I would say, you know, like that, follow it. You can sign up for our email list. There's going to be a lot of silence probably for the next two months. But um, right around um, March, you'll start to see, or end of March, you should see some traffic with some announcements. Awesome. So. That sounds really cool. So practical ways of building, practical things that can be used intentionally to build the culture that you're talking about. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, thank you very much again, Joe. It's been a pleasure. I will see you on Sunday. See you Sunday, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about building family culture, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources and discussion regarding episode topics and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or find our website at connectionsquincy.com.